Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels, and we have a guest with us in the virtual studio yet again. It is our good buddy, Fox. Hey, Fox. Hey, Dennis. Hey, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me back. We're all wearing our masks here in in the studio. Oh, absolutely. We're a little muffled, but yeah, we're fine. How's it going, Fox? How you been, buddy? I've been great. Um, I've, you know, really trying to make the most of the situation, playing a lot of virtual board games, watching a lot of movies, catching up on good television series. I know a lot of that we're going to be talking about tonight. But overall, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time. How are the two of you? Good. How are you? How has it life been not going to the movie theater for you? Ah, that's a great (laughs) question because I will say I definitely miss the crowd atmosphere, especially for some of the more either entertaining or scary films where you that crowd reaction really enhances the experience. But Mm. I'm lucky enough to have an eight year old who, you know, absolutely does (laughs) still squeal when something goes crazy awesome or gets scared and and yelps a little bit when he has to cover his eyes. So I have a mild version of that, I'm happy to say, but I do miss the theater experience. Yeah, the say if you think back, I'm I know you're a, a big theater guy. Or movie guy in your life i would i can only assume that you know going to the theater was a regular thing for you that's kind of like if i you yeah for me you know i have something some little bit of time i you got a happy place kind of a place that brings you joy you can go to it seems to be the movie theater but in the last six to eight months we've not really had that and you know you've been running um you know geek scholar movie news for for even longer than this show so it's kind of eight, had to have been a regular normal years. requirement right Yes, it was. I mean, especially for my duties as a as a movie critic, you know, it was almost uh, expected of me to be in a movie theater at least pretty much once a week. Um, mm-hmm. For uh, this is probably going deeper than you intended, but there is a criteria that you have to review fifty movies a year to stay eligible within Critics Association. So that wow. pretty much necessitates that you're it's going almost to once a week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It pretty much necessitates that you're you're going almost every week. So it was a regular part of my routine. Um not forgotten, but you know, it, it's not also terribly missed at the same time I can find other good uses for a Tuesday night to not drive back into the city to see a screening. So All you know right. I do I do miss it. Um I don't miss having to go see the latest Hellboy movie, which I know is going to be be three hours of my life. I'll never get back between the commute and seeing. And then then you got to go back and write about it, right? Right, exactly. So, so you know, there's, there's, I'm looking at the positive side where I don't have to see uh, a lot of the lesser quality films. True. How's they doing that now? Are they not to get too far into that? But are they? like putting waivers on okay fine you don't have to right now you don't have to watch that kind of thing yeah yeah for this year um the washington dc critics association has said and they said this pretty early on there will be no um no you know criteria that you have to meet for number of reviews this particular year 2020 what i'm actually most curious about is in the fall historically we get sent screeners for all the films that will be under Oscar consideration yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in the spring. I'm very curious to see how it, how that's handled this year because I don't know what I don't have because just, everything's been put on. I'll, I'll get like six six oh. copies of Tenant maybe. I yeah, don't know. Just, just don't watch. Know. Just vote for Sonic all the way through. Yes, just, I mm-hmm. might, honestly. I mean, it's the vote, most. Vote to be fair, Sonic. 
It would yeah. not be an uh, an untrue statement to say that I had the most fun at the theater seeing Sonic this year. That was absolutely true. Yeah. Um, just given the low end count of movies I've seen at the theater. So you, well, you you think that movie is going to run away with a lot of rewards? That's a great <laughs> joke. Gosh, you should have made that a while back. That's a good one. I don't know how long you've been holding on to that. This, this is my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. This is my <laughs> co-host. I think I think I made that. I unintentionally made that joke at some point earlier on this podcast. Like you did well when ago. last time I was on. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> that's, 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 that's exactly. I thought you were doing he a bit it back there. It was a real meta bit there. I loved He's it. Doing that again. Uh, yeah, I, I I'll tell you what. Um, I've heard that tenant reviews are coming back pretty bad. Uh, New Mutants is not being successful. Although I've actually heard mixed from uh, actual New Mutant comic book fans. They've heard that they actually like it. Um, mm-hmm. but the, um, actual moviegoers and critics are giving it a thumbs down. It seems, uh, so there's not a whole lot, I guess is, is the thing last week. Um, I had decided that I, well, actually about a couple weeks ago, I decided I kind of want to go back to the movie theaters. I've done a lot of consideration to build, you know, a deliberation over it my, to myself and decided that I was going to go ahead and do it. Uh, but every time I would look, there was nothing that I even wanted to like, okay, what's worth the risk? What's worth the thing? What can give me <laughs> maybe the theater experience, but not have crowds, such things. Um, and nothing has. So last week I decided to go ahead and watch Empire Strikes Back, which was in mm. our local theater here. Um, and you'd never seen it, right? I had never seen that before. So I was <laughs> blown away by the new special effects that they had. Oh man. That's, that, so that, you didn't, that, you didn't know about the twist. There's a twist. I totally, yeah, man, I was blown away. I mean, jeez. You mean that Lando's a traitor? That 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 yeah. uh, Seagull song is what this was from, based on. I knew that. The mm-hmm. you know the Yoda guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I actually Ad- adult Yoda as we call him now. Adult Yoda, right? <laughs> Yo, he's he's related to that guy that Anakin Skywalker knows. I remember that. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I you know this is my probably my favorite Star War of all the star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it, I think in my, my head canon of stuff, it's kind of waned over the years and how awesome I think it is. But watching it in the, in the theater brought that all back to the, to the center of why I loved it and how good it was. You know, when you watch these kind of movies nowadays, you usually have them on the background or you're doing something else. Or you're not really paying too much attention because you know it word for word. Yeah. But, but being in a movie theater where Harrison Ford's giving his perfect lines and giving the, the looks and, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher's doing her, her thing when she's talking to about Lando and rolling her eyes at every time. It was really great to see that and pay attention to it and have the sound all around you in the movie theater. That, Sounds that delightful. It was mm-hmm. great. I, I will say my review of the movie going experience, it's, it's not quite the same. I have been to move, a lot of movies where there's been not a lot of people, and that's not a deterrent for me. I, I like Fox said, I like the crowds, and I do love that. Sure. Um, but I also don't have to necessarily have them because I enjoy the, the theater. But things like um, you go into the where all the food and stuff is where you buy your popcorn and such, and there was like nobody around. Everything looks like it's already closed down because there's just limited people anyway. Um, mm. And then when you get your your popcorn, they hand you it in this like sealed bag. Um, Interesting. With, with, with a, a little uh, cup of butter and a cup of salt. Cause you can't mm. put it, you know, it doesn't machines mm. or anything. 
Uh, Anything you, people would touch. Yeah, yeah, nothing anybody touches. It's all very hands-off stuff with shields all around you. And and some of the, the half the theater entryway was like the lights were off because that side of the theater is totally closed. Sure. Um, and, and this is an AMC theater. This isn't like a little bitty thing. It's a pretty big theater. Uh, but then you go in and there's hardly anybody there. And you can tell that they have been, they've wiped down everything because you can almost smell the the alcohol that they've went through the and cleaned soul, the whole the place before. Sanitizer, yeah, yeah. So it's it's just different. And, and of course, you're wearing your mask the whole time, so you're watching a movie with a mask, which is not a problem. But it's just different, right? It's just kind of yeah, like you know that definitely. things aren't quite the same. That being said, when I, when I watch the thing and it comes up and it says Star Wars and it's got the 20th Century Fox logo, I was right in it. Really sure. enjoying it. Had a big smile underneath my mask. And yeah, felt felt good about it. So I'm I would not go back. I'm saying this to our listeners. I would not go back if it was like a big movie premiere with tons of people. That's not something I would do. Sure. But sure. you know, if if you're going on like a Wednesday, like what I did, when you know <laughs> hardly anybody will be there. Right. Under normal circumstances, the, there would not be a lot of people. I think I got the email from the Brokaw, my local theater. Uh, to I think today or maybe Friday, I don't know. Um, they're showing Tenant finally, and mm-hmm. uh, the other screen is showing Adam's Family. Right. So they're still like old movies, and I'm like, yeah, neither of those. Like even when they were showing Back to the Future, granted that was back in June or July, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think. Look, I'm gonna... can, let me ask you both a question, um, real quick, to Dennis and and, and Michael. So. You have to pick two movies, one that has previously been released, one that has not yet been released, that would get you to go to the theater. So any two that come to mind that you're like, you know Michael's what, if that was answered show. this question with his actions. Well, he did, maybe, but maybe and that maybe. was the only option. He like, can't pick Empire Strikes Back. He has to pick a new one. So, 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 so right, right now, you're saying. Right. Yes. Uh, like mm. tomorrow, it's announced at your theater. They're doing a double feature of something that's already been in the theater previously, like a throwback, plus something that's not yet been released. Let's say it's delayed. Um, you know, it should have been out by now or is about to come out in a few, sure. a few weeks. So for me, um, I'll go first. Um, I would love to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in, mm, cool. in movie theater. Cool. Mm, I think that would be really thing. awesome to see. I think that movie mm-hmm. holds up. And I believe the sound system of a movie theater would really amplify the experience, especially mm-hmm. the rolling boulder and things like that. And the movie that I've missed the most that was supposed to come out by now that hasn't, um, if it was released tomorrow, is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I'm very oh, excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually think it's going to be better than most people think or realize. So yeah. those would be my two that if they were in the theater tomorrow, I'd buy a ticket. You know, that's, you, a, that's, a, that's a sad one to, that I think a lot of people forgot was supposed to be out. And that's in sad June. because yeah, I think it, it was pretty great. Yeah, 35th yeah. anniversary this year. So what about you, Dennis? Yeah, what do you think? I, I forgot about that. Um, okay. My new movie pick is Wonder Woman 84. Okay. Um, that's a good pick. Old, old movie is a tough one. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any, Mike? Yeah, sure. I, I definitely uh, think that the new movie Go coming ahead, out, I think it would have been out now or coming out the end of this year would have been The Eternals. Um, mm. 
I, oh, yeah. I, I want to know about that. That was November. Yeah, it was yeah, supposed I, to be. I want to know about that. We've not seen trailers or anything. And by this point, I would have been hyped crazy. Not that I have anything about the Eternals, but I'm ready for something big with direction for Marvel. I'm, And I think that would have been the biggest direction pointer. All right. Um, that's fair. So, And then an old movie. This is dumb and doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but I've never seen them in the theater and always would have loved to watch the, the old show Excalibur or Dragon Slayer. Really? Uh, yeah, they're, I mean, cool to, pick. to me growing up, those were like the fantasy staples of mm. things. You know, it's yeah. King Arthur and then one of the best dragon sequences that you would see with mages and such. And it was just soup. Those two things are old, what, 70s, maybe early 80s movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I'd love to see on the big screen and hear that music and see that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'll, but I'll, I'll probably never be able to watch those things. I say that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, don't, you know. I don't know if I can pick, you know, it's, I mean, I said, I think I said Back to the Future, like they definitely showed Back to the Future. That's one that, you know, I was four when it came out. So I obviously didn't see it until much later. Um, I don't know. I don't know, though, that that would be enough of a draw. And then like Lord of the Rings is a is a big pick but mm-hmm. i'm like that's that's really the whole trilogy and i definitely don't want to sit in <laughs> there for 12 hours and it's extended edition so you have to sit there for 12 hours 12 hours exactly. right exactly yeah. um <laughs> yeah so that one's that one's a tough i think tough anything with harrison ford like ed fox has said is a is a solid thing if you can go what anybody i, I would always recommend on a hundred movie challenge or anything to, if you're going to watch a movie, you got one movie to re- watch for the rest, you know, and then you're going to die mm. afterwards. <laughs> you should have a Harrison Ford in it. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, I think that he's just a joy to watch on the screen. Sure. I'll give you one counter argument. Another movie that would be close second to Raiders for me, getting me in a theater to watch with a, a packed house, Jaws. The original Jaws mm. is still a masterpiece. Really? Yes, it still is absolutely great. And yes, I understand that the um, the special effects by today's standards are not nearly as good. But man, is that movie just fantastically fun to watch. Well, the the, the shark isn't even in it most of the time. That's right. Well, that's the that's the joy of the film. You know, you don't need to see it. Right, right. But anyway, sorry so, to derail the conversation. No, but it, no, that yeah. that was good. I, and I to think about that, you know, and hopefully. Hopefully, we hope that we can all be back in the theaters in some you know some way. I, I, my my experience with a, a big national chain like AMC was that it, they did their very best that they could do to make you feel as safe as you possibly could. I definitely felt that way that they were doing their job above and beyond, and there was only sure. maximum forty percent capacity anyway. So, go into the movie theater right now. Definitely use your own best comparison, even with our like, hey. They may show Raiders and the thing. Fox said, that's great. You know, still use your best judgment um, and take, you know, your, your uh, what choice of risk, I guess, is the thing. But, you know, movies are still good. You can watch them at home and, and get all that stuff. Yeah, that's the that's the, the challenge for me with this. Because some of my most uh, beloved favorite movies are not, are not, like, cinematic in the sense of, like, mm-hmm. big action mm-hmm. sequences. The big, like... Um, uh, sort of benefit is a thing that you alluded to. I guess this was before we started recording. The idea of a captive audience, um, because I struggle with that a lot. A lot of our our movies for the poster, I know that they are, um, not paced or timed the way that newer movies are. Um, you compare, 
any of the three plus hour movies we've seen on this poster to a movie like Avengers Endgame, which is just frenetic in its action, just constant, <laughs> constant story. And you sure. compare that to, you know, a beloved classic masterpiece like Seven Samurai, Lawrence of Arabia, or Lawrence of um, Arabia came to mind for me as well. Godfather yeah, yeah. 2, just like, you know, slow, methodical. And I don't mind that, but if I am, um, if I'm sitting and watching it in, a house with a TV, just a normal, or even on an iPad. Like I have to, I've sometimes left my phone in the other room just so that I'm sort mm. of forcing myself to focus. I did watch one of our movies in VR. I don't remember <laughs> which one though. I, I will say this, no. Dennis, though, with, with that being said, I, I watched the, the thing that got me to watch studio Ghibli movies was that yeah. I watched, um, spirited away in the theater yeah. And there wasn't a lot of people in there. It was just me. And yeah. I, watching that in a theater, I watch movies not at the back or all the way in the front. I watch it about a quarter way up, so it's still this huge kind of experience. Sure, sure. And getting that windswept vista and these beautiful, like the music and the story was still to me, just even thinking about it, gives me like this goosebumpy feel of I'm immersed in this huge screen world with the sound around me as opposed to watching it on a little screen. Yeah, so, I mean, with that consideration, like, there are a handful of movies that would be close. I don't know if they would be for sure, you know, rush out and see worth the risk, but, like, yeah, sure. Shawshank or, um, uh, well, when I started talking, I had, like, three movies, and now they're gone. <laughs> now I derailed you on that one. Uh, Memento or um, maybe even uh, Dark Knight. Um, oh, Dark Knight on the big screen. Dark Knight would have been a good one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, so we will do, we do have though, even though it's rare, we do have some actual like triple A tier one media content still coming out. We talk about it from week to week here and there. This week we had, I think a pretty good solid one for that contender, which is Netflix released something called Enola Holmes. I know you guys both watched that, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is based on a book called Enola Holmes. Um, which I didn't know existed. Is it? I but didn't it's know that. It, it's um it's a little different take on the whole Sherlock thing because it's his little sister, which is not a, a thing that they have. Like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle didn't actually write that in. Right. Uh, I should note though that I mean this is not the first time that Sherlock Holmes's sister has been portrayed in media. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because actually the the most recent I would say Sherlock iteration if maybe johnny lee miller is a little bit more recent but right. benedict cumberbatch when he did it um in the third season the home sister is a main character yeah. oh okay it's I, maybe fourth season. That. it's very different than what you saw in the netflix movie yeah. but, okay yeah. but she's in it and and so they have referenced expanding the Holmes family previously but you're right it's not a doyle creation i, I will of, say that i i grew up not realizing Mycroft Mycroft existed. And then when I watched the um, Robert Downey Jr. ones, he's a major character in that. Yes, he is. In the original stories, what I remember of reading them when I was high school age, whatever, um, almost every uh, adaptation I've seen of the Mycroft character is very different. Probably the closest is... um, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry, who's version. great in that role. He's yeah. basically, yeah. what I remember of him in the books is he's overweight, like maybe even obese. I don't know if that's a word that they used 
yet at that point when the, those were written. Um, and basically spends all his time in this gentleman's club, which is not a strip club, but it, they, they've portrayed it in maybe Sherlock. They did. Yeah. They, I they gave an homage to it in the third season. Yes, it's, you're right. it's basically a place where gentlemen go to read the newspaper and nobody ever makes a sound. It's just right. quiet. And they actually and, even show it in Enola Holmes, too. It's the same the same place. Um, yes, you're absolutely yeah. right, Dennis. And so uh, he, he is, you know, by according to Sherlock, he has a sharper, more intelligent, deductive mind than even Sherlock himself. But because he's this sort of agoraphobic recluse, he doesn't uh, um, he doesn't use his intelligence to solve crimes. He stays... Yeah. And he's usually working for the crown in some capacity. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. that is a that is a common component of his of his character. Uh, I I will say that this is one, and I'm going to use my my Apple free give me Apple podcast free give me curse word and say that he, he this is the one where he's a total asshole. Like, yes, he is. He, he that's is pretty standard too. Yeah, I mean I've seen him in different things, but this was the worst. Like this guy was a terrible. Yeah, yeah, he's the right. worst in an old Holmes. Yeah. That's for right. sure. That's, that, that's uh, I mean, he makes her cry. He makes this like sixteen-year-old girl just cry, and then as she's crying, he demands his money back from her. <laughs> You're like, this dude is the worst guy ever. Yeah. Um, so that being said, him being, we talked about the worst thing first. I enjoyed this movie. I, I watched it with Sid. We watched it in two parts for a re- weird reason. Uh, Sydney, I showed her the trailer of this a couple weeks ago, and she really liked it. Got jazzed for it, and then uh, for some reason she had thought that it was a seat like a seasonal thing, where like a TV a series, series or whatever yeah. she would watch a series. That's it. And she, um, so when we watched it, she realized. By the way, our, the little voice box just went off asking me what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, this the, she, when she watched it about an hour in, she realized that it wasn't a series, mm-hmm. and she paused it and said, "Wait, can we watch this later?" It was like at a, a uh, intermission-ish time area yeah, yeah, yeah. because she didn't want to like, you know, watch it all and then it'd be over because she liked it that sure, much that sure. she was so into it that she wanted to put delay the enjoyment longer. That's funny. Um, <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And then when we watched it, she was ready to watch the next bit. And then when it was over, we almost had the feeling that is there more type type thing? That's how much we it probably it, will. It was it was kind right. of set up for a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. You, I saw that uh, Millie Bobby Brown, who was great in this one, mm-hmm. uh, she's been in, in a couple things and had been great in all of the things. Uh, she produ- has producer credit on this, like executive. Producer. I saw that too. I thought that was really interesting. That's weird. And like, cool. is she fronting money for the, or how did she get into the producer Some credit? Kind Pretty creative, cool. I mean, uh, right? Creative input or something. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Uh, um, so, what was what was your uh, favorite parts of this? Thing. What, what what made it great we, for you guys, I think? We haven't done the bell, so we, we're no spoilers. Still, I, oh, mean, we I can do the bell, yes. If we're we're spoiler in this movie. If we're going to talk spoilers, <laughs> we should hit the bell for people if they haven't seen it. But I think I, think the I bell. can talk about it uh, uh, vaguely, but if you guys want to, I'll hit it. Okay, we're going we're gonna to spoil the Netflix original movie, Enel Holmes. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Fox says maybe, so listen to it. Maybe you'll be spoiled, maybe you won't. Yeah, maybe you won't. It's, that's part of the, that's part of the risk the and risk. reward. It's a roulette. Yeah. All right. So, Fox, what do you what do you think? What 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 made you like this movie? 
gosh, I loved everything about this. I love the writing. I love the tone. I love the casting. I love the cinematography. I love the music. I love the mystery. This actually yeah. would rank up there as one of my favorite movies of 2020 in that, yeah, you know, sure. I miss the the PG family-friendly film. Mm. We haven't had any of those mm-hmm. in a long time. Like I recently rewatched The Rocketeer, mm. um, which is rated <laughs> PG, and this reminded me a lot of that in that it was great for the whole family and you could really appreciate almost everything they were laying down. The pacing is really good. The yep. dialogue is really sharp. The characters are compelling. Uh, I would have never cast Henry Cavill Superman as <laughs> Sherlock right. Holmes in a million years. I would have given you at least 20 other people I right. put in that role. And I found him to be absolutely charming and delightful and put his own personal spin on it. I right. just think this film is engaging from beginning to end. Um, it's smart. It's interesting. They put a lot of effort into keeping you entertained from the very first scene to the last. So I have nothing but praise. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Dennis? That's a that's a pretty yeah, good gush, gushing review. Of thank that. you. I, well, I admire everyone, that. Everyone in my family loved it. Um, so I, I watched that. this. The longtime listeners of the, of the show will know the sort of demographic of, of people that I'm currently uh, uh, cohabitating with, but, uh, my parents are in their, in their early sixties. Um, I have a sister who's in her early thirties and, um, a sister who is just 20. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't have anybody in the particular, what I perceive to be target demographic of this movie, but you're right, Fox, that it, it really is (laughs) this kind of, kind of family friendly movie and we've seen a couple of these like uh, maybe Shazam um to an extent Incredibles 2 yeah, that yeah. were that were fine. Yeah. Um Shazam had some real yeah. like yeah. weird stuff with the with the monsters and and casual murder kind of stuff. Um <laughs> so that that one's a little bit iffy. Um there were definitely moments in this movie where at, at several several to all of the people watching it were not on board um a lot of um the 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 male uh marquis character um a lot of mm-hmm. his lines are very like i don't know um not subtle i guess you should say which <laughs> if i think about it fits for a you know for I mean, a noble like, 16, like right? teenager, yeah, that, that stuff sort of makes it just in the moment yeah. like nobody was on board with the love story at all. But but oh. in a way, <laughs> in a way that we poked fun at it a little bit, but we're still having fun. Um, and yeah, sure. I, I think it's meant to be a little yeah, hokey. Yeah. I think that's I, part I, I of felt the that charm. Millie Bobby yeah. Brown sold that romance. She was the only one that I mean, I get you, why she, she liked could have been him. A, with a broom closet. I mean, and, and, you. She would have fine. But I mean, I get why she liked him. He he demonstrated some intelligence that he was well sure. read, especially about flowers sure. and herbology. I actually totally bought that. I, I thought that that part made her feel more like a, a proper teenager. I like agree. She is, she's not an adult, yeah. right? And you and you get the sense that um you know, she does some things that you're kind of like, what? Why? No, don't like but we're all watching that from the perspective of you know, adults, right. and she is a playing sh- a sixteen-year-old, sheltered sixteen-year-old, too, a completely mm-hmm. yeah. sheltered. Yeah. Like she's been exposed to a lot of things, a lot of knowledge, but not 
people. People. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Like herbology and and uh, you know logical deduction and right whatever combat you know tennis indoor tennis <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is and, great and you know what they didn't do they they didn't even though she has all those and they, they ex- she exhibited all those like awkward type things it never felt like the wonder woman thing where they're trying to push the she's a fish out of water thing it was just very natural she just the way the script and the writing and acting went it you could tell she was kind of fish out of water but not intentionally right i mean it so it, a couple of things. It highlights to me the difference um, between Millie Bobby Brown and some of her co-stars in Stranger Things. Yeah. Where her her acting talent has only gotten better. Yeah. I mean, from the first season of that show, she does a lot of face acting, right? Eleven in season one of Stranger Things has very little dialogue. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, so much face acting, so much yes. look to camera, and not in a you know, camera take Jim Halpert from the office kind of way, but a much more subtle, um, I don't even know what to compare it to. It's like I know nods and winks. That and, oh, I'll about, tell you, I'm um, going to give an odd, an odd uh, thing to compare it to, but Deadpool, I know that's an odd thing to compare it to, but like breaking the fourth wall where you, the audience I is a character that. in the story. I, I, mm. I love that part of it. I mean, that, yeah, you know, Fox, I got to say, I think your little review there couldn't have said it better than what I, I couldn't say it better than that, how I felt. I, I feel the exact same way. I think the only way I can put words on this would be good, clean fun. And that tends to shy, make people shy away like, oh, it's this kind of, no, it's just, it's good, it's clean, and there's and it's fun. It, I defy so you not to smile and be entertained. Yeah, and <laughs> between, enjoy it. And, and between um, The Witcher, uh, certain moments in Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League, and some of the internet memes, interviews, whatever I've seen of, of Henry Cavill, I'm on board 100% with him doing comedy to dry comedy. Agreed. Characters characters like this. Just so, like, he's a Sherlock Holmes who's always smirking. Yes. Yeah. Even if he's not literally smirking, like, <laughs> he's in his smirking. brain, he is. He, you him. know, like, Minecraft's just running his mouth, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he's just wandering around. He's running his finger along the mantle. Yeah, he's like, the dust, keep talking. Like, right. You know, it's great. The, the, I'm one it of the, the people that, that, uh, that, that don't like to take the the real world personality, you know, characteristics or conflicts sort of, of, of actors and put them onto my movie characters. But sometimes like like Henry Cavill here I, I the way I understand it he's a good dude that loves doing what he does and, and it oh, just yeah. has enjoyment in general and so when I every time I watch more of his movies that he's in I'm I, I see him I'm like kind of pleasantly surprised oh hey and you can tell he's enjoying playing whatever he's playing at the moment you want to hear a great Henry Cavill story that I can share from my personal experience um I was in the room at comic-con San Diego when they debuted the footage of him for the first time in Man of Steel, he was doing a he was doing a panel, and you know there was a person who got up after seeing the footage. It was the world premiere of it, and got to the mic to ask a question. And this person like was dressed up as Superman, like clearly you know said how important <laughs> Superman was to him, and sure. thanked Henry Cavill. You know it looks like you're really putting your heart and soul to it. And Henry Cavill said, "Come up here and give me a hug, brother," and literally mm-hmm. got up from the table got the guy on stage and gave him a hug. And it was the best moment of that person's life. And and I, that moment, despite what you think about him actually as Superman, 
I was like, that's a Superman thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, and right. so, yes, to, to your point, I've always known that Henry Cavill is like a great guy who embraces fandom, who loves the people who support him and wants to do good things with the characters he's entrusted to portray. Well, along those lines, this is kind of a put, I want Dennis to follow up on this comment. Okay. Uh, just read yesterday that he's, he's doing once again, another campaigning push for the next bond. How do you feel about that, Dennis? I know you're a big bond, <laughs> bond person. Is he English? He is. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's yeah. British. Okay. I should know that, but I've only seen He him always has American accents. Ex- except for this, I've only seen him with American accents. Or yeah. whatever whatever accent Geralt of Rivia has. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. Like... Sorry, my, my brain was stuck no, on whether, it was great cause, though. Cause, that cause was that's really when, um one of our friends one of our friends suggested a a woman to play Bond and I said she can't play Bond. She's American. Um because <laughs> you know, except for like uh you know, Sean Connery is Scottish and um I think Daniel Craig one of them is one of them might be Irish. Oh, uh, that's uh, Pierce Brosnan. Tim- Timothy Tim- Pierce Brosnan. That's it. Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan's um, Irish, yeah. And so I'm like, you can't. They've got to at least be British Isles, <laughs> you know. To, and they, I mean, they don't really. But and so, right. like for me, the the go to is always Idris Elba. If you want to, of course, of push course, the, push the you know the representation, which you know Bond's an orphan. Like he could be literally anybody but um so once i got past that and i imagined henry cavill in a tux like doing plank like absolutely yeah he, you he, see that in mission impossible fallout i mean he's basically like one step away mm. from bond he, he yeah, really yeah. was he really was and and i know that um so he was uh the second pick to to um daniel craig by the way he he went all the way to the to the the end mm-hmm. of the pick i probably have heard that yeah. and they went down and, and chose Daniel Craig and Daniel Craig's my favorite Bond, so I wouldn't say they didn't do bad. But ever since then, he has really, really, really wanted to do it. He's been open. He still talks to the directors and showrunners and stuff. So he's really, really wanting it. I know they're they're talking to um, oh, I can't the guy from I think Avatar. I can't think of that guy's name or. Um, there's nobody in Avatar who should be Bond, so I don't even know who you mean. I have no idea who you're talking about, but it's, it doesn't matter. I think it's Sam or something. Sam Worthington? No, no, no. not no. Sam Worthington. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'm thinking of the wrong actor. Okay, how about the guy from, uh, um, oh, we just watched a movie where they, Inception, Tom Hardy. No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that his name was attached to it. No, oh, no, no, I'm not saying... Bond shows, his, that's not Bond shows his whole face, like though. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know how, how you can be able to get talk. Tom Hardy. <laughs> you guys are terrible. I, I don't but know. I, yeah, I, I think I'd Tom easily pick good. Henry Cavill or Idris Elba over over Tom my, Hardy any my day. My name is Bond. James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh, Idris Elba, they're I saying, has crush you. Out, is, is basically is what they're saying, which is too Spectre bad. because is he, no he, more. <laughs> got that bit Sorry. going. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> No, I, I think right. I, I agree. I agree. So anyway, he, that's a that's a good bond thing coming up, and hopefully he'll he'll do really good. Um, so anyway, a no homes thumbs up, yay for for that, yay for Henry Cavill. It sounds all around for us. Yeah, um, absolutely. Hey, speaking of things on uh, TV that we watched, this is something I know Fox is big into as well as myself. All right, um, 
we there was a WandaVision trailer out like a week ago. Oh, did you man. did you see that thing? No, I missed it. I was one of you the missed it. Two hundred million people it. who Fox. didn't watch it because apparently it's one of the most watched um, videos on YouTube of all time in some particular time frame statistics. Really, huh? never yeah. lie. People would be thirsty for Marvel Cinematic Universe content, or what? I don't know if you call direct to streaming cinematic, whatever. They mm-hmm. would be they would be thirsty for Marvel content if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic induced media drought. Anyway, right, right. <laughs> But right now, yeah. it's like pour that directly into my eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, and and this one, this one's uh, going to be weird. I, I don't know. Weird, weird is everyone uses that word when they 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 talk about Wandavision to me. I, I mean, I actually, it looks weird. What else? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's. It, I'm going to put it on my nerd comic book hat. It does not yeah, so look right. It's not look weird to me at before. all. About, yeah, Scarlet I've Witch. heard I've heard this before, but you guys are the comic guys. Can you give Wait, me a What's your what's your argument, Mike D? No, I'm saying it, it is it it's not an argument, it's just this does not feel weird at all as it pertains to Scarlet Witch. Now, can I ask a question, my dear, not to put you on the spot. Did you read Tom King's excellent uh The Visions um series? What, I did I no, I did not, but okay. this is very much like actually, you know what? I think I read the first one or two. Okay, so so if I'm, can I give a little bit of background exposition yeah, this thing? Is, this okay. is basically what I was going to ask. Like somebody give yeah. me the the elevator yeah. pitch for the for well. The there's of there's this. two things here. Yeah, I mean, there's two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's two parts here. I'll give one. You give the other. How's that? Sure. Be? I'll give yeah, yeah. the vision half of it. You give the Wanda half. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the vision piece of this is uh, about ten years ago. Tom King, who is now. Um, he, he's an ex-CIA agent who now writes comic books. He's currently writing uh, Batman and has won multiple awards for it. Did something okay. for Marvel called The Visions. And essentially, mm-hmm. this was a story about Vision who created his own family, a wife and kids, and tried to make a normal life for each of them. Um, however, it went horribly, horribly wrong as these other uh, androids learned about what they were in a human world. Uh, it got really dark and really twisted. Um, there are a sure. lot of elements of that in play for this show, but that's only one half of it. So I'll cede my time now to Mike D, who I think could talk about the Wanda part of it. Yeah, I, I, I will say that the best thing that came out of that Vision series is Viv, his daughter, by the yes. way. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was in like some of the young... Uh, Avengers stuff and she's also I think in the current um, I guess I don't know what they're called it's with um, Miles Morales team and stuff like that they're, they're the champions. young Avengers yeah uh, and, but they're now called champions yeah uh, so she's in that and she's a good character too because she's like this young robot AI life form so that's right. she's a good character that can't spin out of that but man you're right that series had some dark twisty turns at the end there um, I remember reading about it so the the Scarlet Witch part of it so I don't know exactly how they're characterizing her powers in MCU, except that they sprung from the, I guess, mind gym, um, which is weird. But so she, um, she controls reality and chaos. That's, that is a weird thing to say, but when they make, made her character back in whatever, that's 1960, the same, 70, that's the same, no it's the same stone, right? There, no, it's not. There's a reality no. gem, which they yeah. could have no, totally I done mean, that. Sorry, I didn't make that question clear. The stone that gave her powers is the stone that made Vision. Yes, which yes. happens yes, to be the mind correct. gem. Yes. Right. Um, so, uh, anyway, none of that ties together, but they should have made it reality. Anyway, 
So in the in the comic-y worlds, when they were make, making up these kooky characters, they gave this character the control over reality. Okay, well, as time has gone on, they've you know writers really struggled with what to do about her powers and what she can and can't do. She and then some people would say she's a very god type character. Um, but no matter what it was, anytime you'd have a Wanda story, it's that she because she controls her reality, it's almost maddening and crazy. Like if she sure. has mental problems or stresses in life, that can cause serious problems for everything. And yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of her centered stories, especially her biggest one, is when she actually had um, a family with vision in the comic books. And they have right. they stopped like superhero life and became a family with a house and two kids. And then they died. And I can't remember the whole story about how they died, but all but her died. And she lost her mind. Sure. Um, and so she recreated a whole other reality where yeah. she had a family and they lived together and they were happy. But it also led right into this thing called um, where she said no more mutants. House of M. Yep. She, she, House of M, where right. she was done with it all. So again, she just changes complete reality for the world. Because she can't handle it. And that's what is going to float, I think, taking those themes and floating it into WandaVision where she has lost vision. And her world is going to crack. And it's going to cause this. And you can see it in this new trailer where she's flipping back and forth between, hey, what's going on? I don't understand what's happening. And then Vision's alive, but he doesn't know he died. And I think she's going to be projecting this happy homemaker family world, but be kind of crazy. Mike right. D, I have a I have a bold prediction for you, real quick yeah. here. Um, given that Disney has now bought 20th Century Fox and the X Men are and mutants are now going to be part of this world, I predict that the way in which the X Men get into this world is that we see the reverse House of M, and instead of at the end of it, Wanda saying no more mutants, Wanda wishes them into existence to be like people to her so she says more mutants and that's how we get the x-men i i would love to see fox that happen as a stinger yeah that's what i mean at the very end i believe that she brings the mutants into existence that's my that would be a really interesting twist on the i think a lot of comic book people know no more mutants and yeah, so I would and, love that to be the twist at the very end that that's how mutants come into existence. That she that, that would be that would be in. fantastic. That would that's be fantastic. My, that's my bold prediction. We'll see if it happens. Because it's, I think that uh, for all the tie-ins you just mentioned, it, it could definitely do this whole um, Sam or not Sam uh, Sam Jackson walking on the screen and saying, you know, I want mm-hmm, to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm, Avengers Initiative, mm-hmm. same type thing. Where that's oh I'm my feeling. gosh, there's this thing that we all comic book people know. But people who don't read comic books don't know, but we know that it's going to lead into many more appearances of these things called X-Men and mutants. And, sure. But it would just be a weird stinger for the lay people. What's she mean? And things like that. So that would be fantastic. I would love, I would love to see that. And we can only hope. Is this, this is going to be a series, right? Like, so like an eight, eight episode yeah, limited thing, I think. It will debut on Disney Plus in 2020. Um, That's originally, crazy, right? uh, Falcon and the World Soldier was supposed to come out in November. It's not. It's mm-hmm. still filming. And so they have switched positioning with WandaVision, which is supposed to come out after. And now uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier will come out in Q1 2021. I would be surprised if a show set in a tv universe uh 
was 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 a movie and not a TV show. It's funny yeah. that um, that concept of as you described the Wanda character reminds me. But this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it reminds me of a very popular anime um, called "The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya," which is a okay. weird title. But uh, the protagonist Haruhi in that show um, is basically some kind of supernatural being. She is bored with her life and wishes that she would meet a time traveler, a an android, and an and an esper or a whatever they call them espers in the translation and then those characters sort of appear in the show and there's a normal person with her but all of the other characters kind of like coddle her and put up with her kind of she's a high schooler so she's very like um kind of flighty and demanding and borderline abusive but everybody puts up with it because if she gets too frustrated or angry with her environment um, reality starts to unravel, um, mm. and it's it's fairly uh, uh, interesting. Yeah, the when when um, I thought they did a good job with reality. I'm using air quotes here. Powers in Endgame when he got when Thanos got the reality gem. Uh, that's as almost like a game breaking power type thing. Yeah. So Marvel more, did a good job of. I remember that, that more so in Infinity War. Oh, yeah, Infinity War? It's like a hollow deck kind of thing when they go to nowhere. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's mm-hmm. where it is. Yeah, right. I I like my... the the bubble, the bubble gun, the the um, Star Lord sequence that made everybody yeah. angry. The, those those two movies are going to end up being things like when you say Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, right? It's just they're two movies, but they're one. Right? Yeah. To me, they're yeah. going to be even that yeah. way. even well, more so even more so than Star Wars. I think Lucas had the had the seed of the idea for the whole story, but the original star Wars new hope really stands on its own as a, as a story where infinity war and Endgame clearly were two parts. They need each other of the yeah. same story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I'm going to transition a little bit here into also, cause I got to thinking about these ultimate Uber powered characters type stuff. <laughs> Another thing that's on TV stuff is uh, the boys, which we talked about going to talk about last week, but we're moving into this one. It's been out for five, six weeks now going, I think. Maybe yeah, seven. Six, six episodes have debuted, each on a Friday. It's uh, six weeks or so, yeah. It's Prime that, original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and we, we enjoyed the first season. Um, it, I, it's got to be weird because the first season was really excellent and really good. Um, but I almost had, after it left and it was over, I almost had this feeling of like, oh, man, I, I wouldn't call it lightning in a bottle, but I would call like, Man, they got away with some tough things, and mm. they successfully did it all. I don't know how they could do more of that and still make it entertaining. Do you feel that it's been entertaining this season, either of you? May uh, I jump in, Dennis, real quick? Because yeah, I actually been thinking about, thinking about this a, a lot. Um, you know, Mike, you asked a really interesting question here, because I find myself compelled to watch every episode. Mm. However, I had this realization that I'm – don't even really know what the story is anymore. I don't know yeah. what the narrative arc is. In the first season, I found myself probably a little shocked about what I was seeing in terms of the fact that I wanted to see what the characters would do week to week. Yeah. I find this season that I 
am still kind of curious to see what the characters are going to do, but it's less of a novelty than it was the first time around. For and sure. I, I find myself con- considerably more questioning, like, well, what, what narrative arc do I care about? What mystery do I want solved? What do I want to learn more about in this universe? And so I almost find when I stop to think about it too hard, I find it less successful than the first time around. Yes, I'm still watching because I think it's interesting and engaging, but once it's over, I'm not I'm not pining for the next episode because I want the story to continue. It's much more about the curiosity, what am I going to see next? I don't know how sustainable that is, for me at least, yeah. but let me pause I, I there. I agree. Yeah, Dennis, what are your thoughts? Um I'm kind of I'm kind of the same way now that you're now that you're describing that. I have in the last I don't know, a few months, maybe maybe 6 months to a year, kind of gotten gotten a little bit over the the big long uh season long story arcs kind of thing like we watched season 3 of Westworld and partly because mm-hmm. it's a cliffhanger and partly because it gets less in- interesting, entertaining to me. The less Western it is, like that was <laughs> that was a big appeal to the first season. Um, I got to the end of that season, was like, okay, that was that was fine. It's a big cliffhanger, so I'm just <laughs> well. T- let me somebody wake me up when season four is out. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. This show, The Boys. I've said this. I don't know if I said this on the show, but um, I think there are three very different but very similar series out right now um that and those are umbrella academy the boys and uh doom patrol Patrol. those are all in their second season they're all kind of quote-unquote mature mature uh, comic comic superhero powers kind of stories they're not um they're either not dc marvel or at least not mainstream uh, DC Marvel that I know of. Um, yeah. They're on a spectrum of maturity with the boys probably being the highest and Umbrella Academy being the lowest and Doom Patrol somewhere there in the middle. Um, and so they're all kind of doing weird stuff, taking some risks kind of thing. And um, I have episodes of Doom Patrol and Umbrella Academy that I've not seen that are out. Yeah, I can't say that for the boys. Like once I got mm. three ish episodes into this into the second season, I just I want to watch more of it. And I think I think I agree in that it's it's less about the story, but not it's not entirely not about the story because there have been some kind of big reveals that get get my attention and make me go you know when it's get gets to be the evening and I'm gonna you know, see what's on TV. I'm like, is there another episode of the boys? I really want want to watch some more of that. Um, Mm. And so that's, that's kind of where I am. I don't know about longevity. The story is growing in a way similar to um, like what heroes did back in the day. Um, I've said this many times, but when we were, when heroes was new, um, a group of us would get together and watch it. And when they, I guess this is, sort of spoilers if you but by this point you should you've heard this like season did they say the cheerleader season one of here of of heroes was all about this cheerleader thing and the guy who could see the future saw uh new york city exploding like getting nuked or something and i said 
if this is season one, like, how do they keep this show going? Because they're going to get to yeah. the end. They're either going to resolve this or not. If they don't, people are going to be pissed off. And if they do, well, now what? Now your next your next season is going to be something completely different. And you can't raise the stakes from that unless the whole planet's going to blow up. And then you've got, you know, power <laughs> creep uh, issues. Can well, I, I, can I? Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Mike. Right, so I want I got, to challenge what Dennis said a little bit, but keep going. Go ahead. Right. I, I got I got two things that spawn off three of what you guys both said here. One is that Fox, I when when you talk about like the the storyline and what makes you interested, and, you know, I I couldn't while you're saying that not picture that especially this season they're solving anything that I'm kind of interested in when they when I pick a story as you would say pick a, a thing that's interesting to me. Sure, they kind of solve it not i'll say in a good always in a good way but billy's okay spoiler bell where's the spoiler bell talk a little ding ding uh so when they solve billy and his wife's thing they Mm kind of do and -hmm. they do that they they just and and i'm all for like not dragging things out for Mm -hmm. eight to ten episodes right so good on them for that i was gonna say that Uh, seemed that seemed abrupt when i thought about it i'm like you know i got as much of that as i really wanted yeah, right. And and then, then you okay, so then you've got Huey and Starlight. Okay, well they kinda solved that too pretty quickly. Then they then you have the the, the girl Wolverine and the French guy. Frenchie. And you're like, okay, they kinda solved that too. Um I'm not really interested in they also solved the um uh Queen Maeve thing, her secret, you know, yeah. girlfriend. They they solved that and that's the I'm like, okay, so sort of. From sort of, I mean, they're not always tying these things up with a bow, but for the most part, they're not making you feel like I'm watching it next week to see what happens to, to the, are, are they going to resolve something? So I don't know what's to Fox's point. I don't know what's continuing to pull me on except the desire to want to see Homelander defeated. Mm. I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing from week to week that want, makes me want to watch more of it to see more of Billy on the screen and, and just talk. You know, just listen to him talk for a while. Uh, and then um, you see Homelander get, get his butt beat at so, some point. So to use but, Dennis's point real quick, yeah, he was talking about heroes. And he said, you know, the first season is save the cheerleader, save the world. There's a clear mission and goal there. What I struggle with with season two of The Boys, at least for me, is if someone asks me what is season two of The Boys about, I don't have an answer to that. Yeah, for sure. It's just characters doing crazy things, which admittedly is entertaining, especially the Justice League. You would have seen this one, Mike, the 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 Justice League-esque episode where they have lots of pot shots at DC's movie cinematic universe. But that's funny. But but again, like I I, when when someone asks me, what is the season about? I don't know. Like, it's just yeah. more of, I think, well, it's more of superheroes acting badly and not really any characters that you're, I mean, you like the boys, but they're also bad people as well. It, it, almost, it almost feels intentional though, right? It feels Maybe. like the writers are just writing about this world. I don't know it's if, not, if they're intentionally meandering anything. They kind of have Maybe. some threads. Yeah, to the, um, oh boy, I had a connection for that. Things are not, it by, slight con- I mean this is only a peripheral reference to our movie but um unlike a JJ Abrams story any of the mysteries or questions that are brought up are resolved pretty quickly like we're in we're in yeah. spoiler section here right. but like you wonder whether um butcher's ex-wife's son 
with Homelander is powered, right? Like, right, right. Yeah. You know, they do the thing with the roof, and you're like, oh, shit, that, like, he's dead. And then he's not dead, and you're like, okay, right. well, that's good. And then he gets him mad enough that he, his eyes glow, and you're like, oh, well, he's been right this whole time. He does have power. Um, right, and... Yeah. There are a bunch of things like that, like like Butcher meets up with his wife, and that's resolved within two episodes. They do the thing with um, with Compound V, and you think that's going to be important, and it is, but uh, Vought yeah. does a media yeah. blitz spin, and it's over. Um, you know, Homelander yeah. uh, gets his, has this video go out where he, he accidentally, you know, lasers a, a stray civilian, and then... You know, Stormfront helps him cover it up with a with a meme campaign, like m- minutes later, right? Um, right. And I I like that. I like the fast resolution. Yeah, it's sort of yeah. Well, but you, but how do you? What you do you get go? A little, like, right? You get a little closer to episodic storytelling without truly episodic storytelling, like you know, classic television, you know, original series, Star Trek kind of thing. Can I? Can, can I ask a question? So I used to like The Walking Dead until I realized that The Walking Dead was just hopeless. Where you realize it was just bad things happening all the time yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And I'm a little bit fe- – does anyone else have the same fear that that's what's happening with just the boys? A, where it's just, just a really like, nihilist yeah. – um, yeah, yeah, like it's just yeah. they get clo- they get they one step closer, two steps back, you know. So here, maybe that's something. part of why yeah, this so show along those lines so much with me right now in our current uh, – uh, cultural, <laughs> Maybe. Climate. Right. I, I I will say this. I I I I can't stand those nihilistic kind of views, and, and they they catch me for a season, maybe two, and then they don't. Because I'm glad you pointed Walking Dead. That did the same thing. I binged watched like three seasons of those, same. and then after that, I'm like, I can't. I can't do this, this anymore. Forever. I can't. And, and, be and there's no point of resolution, I mean, and I don't want it. It makes this. a big difference. Right. Uh, I don't hate funny, myself enough, right? Like that's the whole that's the whole South Park sure. uh, shtick yeah, for me. Right. And be fair, this is funnier. Right. Go ahead, go ahead. But, but hear this. Hear me out on this. So so the the actual thing that I'm hoping a way that they can turn this turn this around is because comic books have precedence for this already. Um, when I watched season one and we were reviewing it and talking about it i was actually anti on this show like at least i think three or four episodes in minimum i was like this is not my kind of show yeah, do, i don't want to watch evil people seem, being evil and bad people like being kind of yeah at, at all and then i had an epiphany one day while watching it and it was when i equated homelander to superman i said oh this is crime syndicate this is the crime syndicate story yeah and and that's exactly what this is this is how the prequel, as you would say, to how the crime syndicate world happened. So for people who don't know what I'm talking about, in DC comic books, they have multiverses yep. all over the places. And at one point, somehow, some comic booky thing happened where they went into a different universe and they found where the Justice League basically is evil. It's the yep. mirrorverse type thing. And they, they rule the world in this you know Fetchist. dominant thing. Some people yeah. have redone this Injustice in the Injustice like series yeah. and such. Right. So, so it, that's called, then they were called themselves the crime syndicate. Remember this is made back in the seventies. So they did names, whatever. Um, right. But they, it it wasn't like, you know, dark side world or anything. They still, you know, like Batman ruled his area like a crime boss. Uh, So they still had people living, but a little more ruled over like by Godfather. Right. Right. And, and then, um, you know, uh, Superman was a world, you know, 
uh, what's it called yeah, a dictator yeah. or something so he did whatever he wanted waged wars whenever he wanted so but he just they went into that world and it was just like that it was set up so that they could fight the good guys right but this is kind of like a how did we get this way right how do you get into there and why do you have homelander and everyone else this thing and so when i saw that scene when homelander mowed down all the people in his mm-hmm. like little vision his fantasy, all the protesters yeah. My my first thought was like, oh, they're finally doing it. Here they are. They're committing and double downing yeah. to like, okay. I thought that was now real. We've well, got I it. gasped. Yeah. Right. And I thought, here we go. And they were leading that way. They were leading this like Homelander was fed up with you know kowtowing well, they, to the, to the public this, and his image. Um, and they have this sort of maybe not recurring, but they have this theme of canaries or comfort animals or the comfort animals is degrading, but like a like a um, um, Hulk Black Widow kind of thing where there, you have a very powerful character yeah. and you have another character uh, that, that keeps them in check in some way, not calms them, them down or whatever. For, for Homelander in season one, that was Elizabeth Shue and now she's gone. And so, you, yeah, it's leading up to that point of like, oh, he has nobody... He has nobody keeping him calm now, and he's Superman. Like Check. he can yeah. do. He's immortal, and he's he's uh, um, omnipotent. Like what is going to happen? And that, now we're just in the part way through whatever the arc is going to be with with him and uh, and Stormfront, where she's she's well, sort I, I of really, bad and sort yeah, of also m- making him worse. So, <laughs> well, that goes back to the yeah. whole crime syndicate thing. Is that like he's got his Wonder Woman? Like the Wonder Woman in the crime syndicate world is very much in line with kind of like the Stormfront yeah. character. So, so hopefully, again, if I have long term things that makes me kind of appreciate all this, is I would I kind of would enjoy seeing this further on down the road where they are this world openly bad guys follow us, and then you have the Lex Luthor character in the comic books is actually the underground good guy that's, played by Billy in this that's case. Just how and, and Huey. Uh, just how injustice works like the reason um the reason that wonder woman doesn't really challenge superman is because she's on his side she's like she's like yeah this is good right i've had enough of this you know uh whatever kind of kind of stuff and the and the good side is batman some of the the birds of prey i think and um the, the some, non-powered, some of the unpowered, kind of like Harley Quinn, is on his side, and and so is so is yeah. Lex Luthor. Right, yeah. So th- that's interesting. I mean, that's that's a really cool, interesting way. I love for them to see them go with this to go, bring it back to Fox's point. If it comes down to this, just this nihilistic world with where you're just writing about this thing, uh, it might last me this season, but I think it'll probably drop off. I I will say one biggest mm. negative for us is that they, the writers have clearly forgotten that Huey is our anchor point as the viewer. And yeah. they are, one, treating him like crap. Two, he's terrible, and they're giving him terrible writing. And three, he's just whiny, yeah. makes no sense. Well, I just season. don't know who to root for right. at this point. Like, I don't know what character I, I'm excited to see on screen. Like, they all amuse me, but I don't have a character that I think, oh, I love this person. I want to spend more time with them. Yeah, and, and I no longer want to spend time with Huey. I can say that much. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just, love yeah. I love Billy Butcher and I love Carl Urban in that role, but 
Right. He's also when not a great know. person either. So yeah, when, when you find out that he's like he actually would be a terrible dad to the person. Oh no, he would be. Yeah, dad too. Yeah, right? he's like, but, he yeah, doesn't okay. want the kid. Yeah, no. Yeah. So or husband, like for that matter, you you always had season one the hope that like, well, he's he's probably this loving husband, and you you saw flashbacks that he saw of him having this wonderful life, and he's a different person. And then in season two, you realize, oh yeah, he he's probably just made yeah, that up in his head. It's, and, he's a. Um, yeah. I was going to say he's a soldier. He's like um, either of the Adamas in Battlestar Galactica, but he's also the proverbial damn good yeah. cop, right? Like he's he's married to yeah. his work, right. and his work is challenging the Seven. Like he's <laughs> he's not good for really anything else. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know where this is going with this season, and I will watch it the rest of the thing. I'm not we, – we all feel like – at least it feels like we were kind of bagging on it here. I think we're all – Still going to watch the next episodes, right? I don't think right, we will I'm, miss them. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked in, yeah. Wait, but we all can't necessarily say why, or nor can we say it's for a good reason, or right? It's really right, a weird like thing. I, I, I doubt that. Michael, you totally hit on the exact thing. I asked myself this today. Like, I can't wait to watch the next episode, but I don't know why. I, I think why, it's morbid right. curiosity. I think it's yeah. just. What are they going to do or reference or and say the, or and the try? Season, the season so far, like, <laughs> atrocities aside, has been very fun, right? They're, they're leaning. No, I mean, leaning, I, I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, they're I leaning very hard it. into the just <laughs> crazy, like, they're making a movie about the seven and everybody hates it. And they've got this uh, guy there who I, yeah. I call a J.J. Abrams type. I mean, Oh, he is. He's supposed to be. And he's like There's all no of his, you know, they're, they're, oh, poking, yeah. they're poking fun at the he's DCU. They're, he's throwing out all these wild ideas that are so like th- that, like, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's a, a kind of stereotype I think people have of the like um, guilty white, quote unquote, liberal that's going to do, you know, they're going to get representation in. But the representation is done in the like the most pandering and offensive way that you could almost imagine. Um, and yeah. they've a lot of really good music. I commented on, I think like at least three of the first four episodes had a Billy Joel song in them, which was very entertaining to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think in, I a, in, you know, I named, I named three shows in the context of this show, but in the, um, in a time when a lot of comic book fiction is is not very fun like a lot of people like watchmen i don't think too many people would call watchmen fun um it's, you know just just as a no, contrast no. of another very dark uh comic book world um this one yeah. for how dark the setting is is surprisingly fun yeah although although the word i would use to describe it if i was forced to give one word mm. would be anxiety I think You're I'm wait, always in a state of anxiety for other, uh, everything that's happening. Always. Just like I'm just like <laughs> Starlight in yeah. an elevator with, with Homelander. Like you're always <laughs> worried. She says you're always worried that he's going to come around the corner well, and yeah. do something terrible. And that brings you know? me back to Walking Dead. I just don't want this show to be like perpetual sure. pessimism. Like, you know what I mean? Anxiety, perpetual, yeah. Yeah, like I just, I, you know, I, that's, and I think, Michael, you said this earlier, like, you got to a point with Walking Dead, you're like, they're just never going to win. They're never, it's they're like, never it's never going to get better. This is just. Yeah. Just, and I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Yeah. And that no, will, that I will enjoyed, that will destroy I enjoyed the Walking right. Dead well, speak, um, speak. comics. I haven't, I didn't read the whole thing, but I read 
a lot of it. Um, and I stayed with the show probably longer than I should have because what frustrated me about that show was something I call the realism. And by realism, I mean mm. the way that the human characters acted in their in their setting. Mm. It was entirely believable, yeah, sure. entirely realistic, and I didn't want to watch any of it. Like, this is exactly what people would do. <laughs> they, would, they would panic and react for the first right. day. For the for the part of the story that's in a zombie movie, and then once that was over, they would start bickering and fighting and spend an entire season on a farm arguing, and that's just not fun for me to watch. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, uh, m- moving into something we have that also is <laughs> not fun kind of watch. equally terrible and and makes you feel awful at the end. Uh, we watched the, our 2020 challenge, and it was about of the suspense with a weird twist type thing at the end. You want to go over that one, Fox? You got to watch this, right? Oh yeah. So I was going to have a good, uh, Saturday night, but (laughs) right. Okay. So let's, let's talk about our 2020 challenge. Okay. This week we watched, uh, David Fincher's 1995 crime drama seven. Seven. Now, I have not seen this one. This is one of those ones where um, I've kind of mentioned this before, especially last week. I, I said that, you know, these are always interesting and good for me. They're, they've got plot twists. They're crime dramas. They got something. They're intelligent in, in their way. Or if there's like a directional type cinematography reason to watch a show. But I have to be in the mood to watch them. Right. Like I just got to have a feeling like, OK, here I am. I'm sitting down. I've got my full attention and I want to like focus on this thing. And, and unless that's in front of you, you watch something else, right? It's the reason I didn't watch Inception before. Uh, this mm. falls into that category. I, it's very rare that I'm in the mood to watch a horror, what I would call a horror movie. I'm not sure if this fits as a horror movie, but there's a lot of bad like horror stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's out. not. Um, I think I think a horror movie is designed to scare you or maybe. Uh, disgust or disturb you in an entertaining way. Disturb. That's um, a good. Disturb. This is this is disturbing, but I wouldn't call it horror. Okay. Yeah. Right. D- let's just let's go with Suspense. that word. Disturbing. Suspense. Disturbing. Thriller. Yeah. I I, I knew from the outset that this was a dis- you were, there was going to be lots of pictures and scenes that were going to disturb the crud out of me. So sure. I have to get my mind wrapped up in that. And I will also come into this saying that somebody back in 1984, whenever this came out. Um, Spoiled it for me. They spoiled. <laughs> they spoiled the ending. Um, so eleven years before it came out, somebody spoiled it. For yes, me. correct. They told me ahead <laughs> okay. of time. Well, he was this, watching this Empire Strikes Back in the theater. In the theater, uh, <laughs> they. So yeah, I I knew it spoiled. Well, this this movie. A lot of the um um I don't even want to say entertainment, but <laughs> a lot of the the value and worth of this movie comes from its twist ending again. So I'm gonna hit the bell early. Okay. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's right? in the box? That 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 feels like the whole uh, you said it right then it's the whole point of this movie, right? Like there's the, without that twist is the the movie's okay, right? Or or am I wrong? I, I just there's, it. there's nothing there's nothing to like Kevin Spacey is not introduced early in the movie, yeah. right? It's this is not uh usual suspects which we also saw on the podcast we're in an we're in an awkward 
time now where Kevin Spacey is sort of his own walking spoiler. Yeah. Right. You, well, you see him on TV and you're like, yeah, he probably did. Well, I think, but he also think, played a lot of these kind of characters. I think so. the intriguing thing about this film for when it came out is you didn't have the thing where you knew everyone who's going to be in the film. So if you notice, he is not mentioned in the opening credits and none of the marketing ever mm. referenced him. So the, the surprise mm. was actually that Kevin Spacey was in the film. Um, oh, okay, that okay. was the big thing. Nobody knew that someone of that stature was going to be a part of the trio. Um, and, and there was a lot of intentionality behind that. I, you, I, it's harder to do that today, I think. You know, occasionally right. you get a cameo um, that, that no one saw coming. I mean, I, the last one that I remember that I think this audience will appreciate is in X-Men First Class. Um, there's a, a quick Wolverine cameo where Hugh Jackman yeah. uh, sure. has yeah. a really iconic line to a young right. Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher. Um, but but that was the, the big thing is that you couldn't have a film of this caliber and this size um, and have the villain be someone so well-known and wasn't involved in any of the marketing. Yeah, he, sure. he, you know, he didn't have very many actual scenes in the thing. I bet you they could have filmed it in a matter of a couple of days, him visiting the set. Probably, yeah. Right, to be able to keep that yeah. kind of quiet. Um, just, a, just a couple of scenes. Yeah, yeah, like he was in, he, in the police station, in the interview room, and then in the desert driving, right, in the car. Right. And the so, and the very quick uh, photographer scene, which is which is oh, one of the best. Was parts. It, wait, was that him? Was that him? Yeah, and they that, they figure yeah. that out. Um, that he was the one who comes. You know, he, uh, Mills says, "How did they get here so fast?" Um, yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That I mean, I knew that was him, but I didn't realize that was Kevin well, Spacey. They show it his is face. Kevin Spacey. Um, actually okay. doing that role, and then they figure that out when they go to John Doe's apartment and they see the photography. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, they see the picture that he had taken. Right. Um, right. But I mean, I, I, I thought I swore I saw a, a clear shot of his face on that stairwell. I guess. I oh yeah, not. you did. No, you did. It okay. was Kevin Spacey. Um, okay. Well, I guess Weird. I've got to be honest, my. Mike D, you know, someone who's never seen this film but had it referenced and it sounds like spoiled, how did it hold up for you? I mean, someone watching this in 2020, a film that's, you know, what is it, 25 years old, you know, how Mm. was it? Because this was revered when it came out. Well, the the cinematography, the writing, the acting was all great. It was all it was all good and solid. Like the the movie itself was a good, solid crime thing all the way through. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I was like totally on my edge because again I know I knew the ending, which kind of makes the movie ruined. Like I knew that his wife was going to be murdered, so I knew mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what led up to that, but I knew that her head was in the box, and, and I right. so I, I knew that like oh clearly. As these things are going, I know the seven deadly sins. Wrath is going to be that. He's going to lead up to where he has to have, he's going to make him be a part of this thing and it's be Wrath because Gwyneth Paltrow's here and they're doing that. So, and then when they said they had the baby, I'm like, yeah, they're just leading up to this thing. So for me watching it, because of that spoiled thing, the whole movie itself was just like, eh, okay. Anticlimactic. There was no Mm -hmm. climax. There was nothing, no buildup because I knew it all the way through. So I guess saying that, what is this movie without that? Right? I don't know that I don't know that I can answer that because I have seen this, but 
when I saw it was probably in college around the time when I was, you know, watching different kinds of movies that uh, my parents wouldn't have had or, <laughs> or watched. But um, and so I remembered bits and pieces, but the things the things that I were that I remembered were that there was something about the box. Uh, Kevin Spacey did it and he turned himself in. And I remembered the first couple of crime scenes. I remember gluttony and greed. Hmm. And I think that was, I, I don't think I even remembered lust or um, uh, sloth. And so, so for me, it was more of a, as things were happening, I recognized them. They're like going in and I'm like, oh yeah, this is sloth. And actually, as it got toward the third act conclusion, I was in my mind going back at one point and going, what have we seen? We've not seen all of them. We saw gluttony, sloth, <laughs> lust. The, and I said, there's two left. The two that are left are envy and wrath. And, and that one actually impressed me with how quickly I came up with them because I am not Catholic, even though the seven deadly sins are all over literature now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I just quickly came up with those last two. And so then as uh, the guy drives up, I'm like, okay, here's the guy delivering the box. And Morgan Freeman looks in the box and I'm like, oh, it's this. Okay. So that's, he's going to be envy and he's going to be, that's right. That's what's going to happen. And it was still a little bit surprising, but it still was like, like I was, I was spoiling myself on the details like just before they. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I, I admire the the story that was crafted the way it was crafted. You know, from an outside perspective, as a, a, a viewer, an entertainment consumer, um, and my own style of entertainment consumer. This I am kind of actually really glad that this was spoiled for me because this probably stands as an example of the kind of movie I absolutely hate because just, <laughs> and, and I'm sure Dennis knew, knew, knew that all along is that this is, I hate bad endings that like the bad guy wins, you feel terrible and the bad guy well, is proven right. You know? And like as, as yeah, good as, as, as good as they are and they're totally have a, a place in the world. They totally do. I just makes me feel bad and I hate leaving. But do you think the bad guy really won at the end of this? Cause I actually read articles today because I knew I was coming on the show, like what would have happened to Mills? Like what would have the, the, you know, fallout been? And I don't know that the bad guy really won in this one. Do you think he did? Oh, I definitely did. Why? I mean, I, I mean he got what he wanted, but I mean, Mills, I mean, the, the villain dies. Well, the, the the villain's point was to to be famous throughout the world and to, for all of his things to come to fruition. Yes, Mills would have led led a tortured life that he never would have gotten his wrath and vengeance on the guy. Sure, but the world would have known that this evil person would not have been able to complete his terrible thing because one man was better than this evil man. But thing. why? But why does it? I mean, again, in 1995, I don't. I think you can decide if that happens or not because we're not living in an era of that was captured by social media or anything like that. Like the police department could have totally shut it down and no one could have ever known what John Doe did. Nobody even knows what city they live in. Right. (laughs) Sure. Sure. I mean, (laughs) sure. I mean, you can make up any of those, but it, it felt as to me though, that it was, 
that's what was the writer was saying was that or the writers of this movie was saying is like yep he completed his thing he did it and he accepted it and then they were just you know that was the show there was the seven I mean he wins I mean I don't know that I don't know that the villain wins in this particular case because you which is what I really appreciate about this film is that yeah I guess there's a scenario in which the villain dies thinking he's going to win but does he actually does the world change does the world study what he does not necessarily. Well, they, yeah, you're right. They, they don't show afterwards. That's right. That's, I guess they, they ended on there. But but and that's he, why I like did about want it. those. He did want this scenario of things to happen, and he was successful in everything that he wanted. Yes, from he, that perspective, he achieved right? his goals. Whether or not he it won had the repercussions, right? Is open for discussion, right? And and you could argue that no no per. I mean, Hitler. We're going to go with the extreme here. Hitler the same way. You know, had had a thing, and you know, did he have the right thing? No, but he's still a villain. He's still a bad guy. He still had his, you know, he still invaded Poland and France. He still did all these terrible things, and is known for those. Even if he didn't come, his outcome of what he wanted to be known for was the thing. He still is known to be, you know, a bad guy. And it's this, I believe, this guy would be known as a terrible killer that you know terrorized the city for. Just like yeah, Son of Sam, serial like killer, a, a murderer, right? Yeah, right. What did you think um, of so the even, acting? Even if, what did you think of the, the 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 either you know Freeman, Pitt, Paltrow? Pitt, Pitt's Pitt's phenomenal. He always is phenomenal. I mean, Morgan Freeman's great. This is uh, yeah, yeah. a year after Shawshank. Sure. I mean, right. yeah. You you can't say anything bad about any of these actors or the writing or the directing. I just said it was all solid. Um, did either of you, I, I shared a, a Nerdwriter video, a YouTube video from the Nerdwriter channel called, um, how David Fincher hijacks your eyes. I did Did watch that. Right. Yeah. Watch that. He talks about, uh, the way Fincher uses camera movement in a way that is so subtle. You don't really notice it unless you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but as his, um, as he got more experienced in, in filmmaking it, you know, became more and more. It's a lot to do with motion when characters are moving. And I found myself because I'd already seen this um, really focused on that. I was watching when mm. the camera would move, when the camera would not move, when characters would, would move, but the camera would stop. And I'm like, okay, Morgan Freeman is moving out of like, we're focused on. And very often the shots would seem awkward. Like if you didn't know that this was, you know, made by a celebrated director, you would you would think it was amateurish. There are times when the camera is showing characters and their heads are out of frame. And it, like, why? Are, but then they come down into frame. Like, it's all very intentional. Yeah, I, I, I watched that afterwards, so I hadn't seen that with that. Maybe I'll watch right. his other ones. And say, yeah, to Fox, with your thing with the like acting, it's, it's really weird that I put things like... Um, Oh, who's the guy? Big guy. This Blood Diamond. Oh, he did Titanic back in the day. Um, Leo. Leo. Like Leonardo DiCaprio. He like. Mm. He, I just watch a show with him, and I just know the performance he's going to give, right? Or Harrison Ford. Not not that it's thing, but it's going to be great. It's going to be on the same. They're, invested I think they're all and, the same and level. so good, and and he's going to be solid in whatever it is. And this movie had every one of those solids, right? So there was nothing I could not expect. Morgan Freeman's in it. Gwyneth Paltrow's in it, and Brad Pitt's in it, and now Kevin Spacey. You know, of course, there is nothing that could be said poorly about any of those performances. 
and the no. story was good. I think for me, we're moving into like the wrap up part here, um, because it was spoiled for me, I almost feel that this nullifies my opinion on this. Hmm. Um, I, I don't, I can't, I can't appreciate it for what I think is some of the most important parts of the movie. Um, I can't recommend it because I don't know how that should feel. I feel that if, if I did, it would have a big impact on me negative or positive enough to say that, yes, it was worth the experience. Um, but I feel like I was kind of robbed of that experience. So sure. I don't really have a opinion on this. That's fair. How about you guys? Um, this, this is a hard one because it's not, as we said at the top, it's not fun to watch, but I think if you know, uh, if you know the genre, if you know crime drama thrill, you know, if you watch a lot of, of those acronym shows, uh, you know, the CSIs and the, and the law and orders and SVUs and all that stuff, um, you know, you, you know what you're getting with this, at least as far as what kind of imagery you're going to be presented with. Um, I think, I think this is the only David Fincher movie on the poster. I don't, I'm not familiar enough with his catalog to say whether I would put another movie in its place. Um, As far as a piece of film, as far as the, the acting, the directing, cinematography, the, the music, the, the visual compositions, it's all, um, very effective um the story is well told whether or not you find the ending satisfying um so i absolutely would would keep this on a list i would as well yeah i mean i think i think i would as well you know i i saw this film and i thought wow this looks like the 90s but (laughs) you know um it's it's engaging it's still something that i watch and i'm very curious to see what happens next. I like the performances across the board. I think Gwyneth Paltrow is fine. There is there are no strong women in this movie whatsoever. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's the writing. That's not anything to do with the directing or the acting. But I found myself continually engaged by this film. I, I think the mystery is interesting. Um, I'm sad that you had it spoiled for you, Mike D, but I think you could show this to somebody who appreciates film, who understands that Freeman and Pitt were pretty much at the top of their game and say, would you like to watch something really awesome? Um, And they would be enthralled by what you showed them if they did not know the twist. They would be on the edge of their seat and that's hard to do, you know, as Mm -hmm. we said, 25 years later. So I give the film credit. Who would you do like I I love that you just said that like that if I was in a movie theater I watched Shawshank Redemption and I've seen Brad Pitt do some amazing things at this time and now you're like here's a suspense um like movie that's got a something that you'll be surprised about uh with these two great guys go watch it I I bet you I would be hyped and it would probably hold up straight through with all that expectations who do you think that today if there was like who would be actors they would sell that. They could sell a movie just with those premises that these two people are, are going to be in a movie that's going to be a, a big surprise or a twist or something, and it, the acting carries it. Are uh, there two actors that, that you would say, or actresses? Yeah, that I mean, would make you do that. I think it's. I think the closest you have to it. I mean, it's funny because I think it's what happened with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, 
you know, it's DiCaprio, I think. Um, mm-hmm. um, and you know, <laughs> Morgan Freeman still, he can mm-hmm. still, he can still get it. I don't, I don't know. Like in 1995, I felt like, you know, you, you put these people in a movie, you're going to go see it. I, yeah. It's an interesting question. Um, cause, cause like DiCaprio and Pitt, I get you with that, but they're also kind of, I want to say old actors at this point, right? They're, they're not the new draw. Morgan Freeman wasn't back then either. He was, you know, uh, I mean, he was seasoned. Yeah, he was seasoned. He actually went into a renaissance after this and Shawshank Redemption. So is the question, who do you absolutely have to go into the theater to see? Because, well, yeah, like if you put two actors together and you're like, these two great actors are going to do a serious crime drama movie. Let's just say that a crime drama movie. I mean, what two today would you like? Oh man, I'd love to see these people work together. I mean, right now, that kind of a thing. right now for me, it's it's like Damon DiCaprio Streep. I think mm. somewhere in that in okay. that's the trifecta I would go for. What do you think, Dennis? I don't know if you if you limit it to a kind of twist crime kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, first comes to mind is Christian Bale. I don't know if I agree with that first name that came to mind. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. I you know now that I I, I think about it, um, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, like Henry Cavill and Billy Butcher. Carl uh, Urban. Carl Urban. Carl Urban, right? Do 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 something. I think they would be pretty that's interesting. Of, um, that's a lot of similar energy on the same, uh, <laughs> on the same screen. <laughs> I mean, you, maybe you're right. Um, you know, if you think about it, in, in that kind of a relationship thing, in these two movies, you have uh, Lethal Weapon kind of had the same thing too with, with old cop and, and hot sure, shot sure. young young cop coming into the thing. I mean, and I mean, they're two different kinds of movies, but you still had two actors that were in those kind of I mean, positions. Maybe you do. And I didn't really put um, that until, I don't know what the, Fox I don't know what that. the word for this trope is, but maybe you do the thing where a, a previous, um, like comedy or, or romantic comedy known actor comes back to do a different, you know, a dark, you know, comes back to play a villain or something. Um, so you get right. a, Oh, I don't know who, who would be recently. I'm picturing like, um, like Topher Grace or uh, somebody that you, you've al- Venom. almost always. Oh, yeah, I guess he did Venom. Um, somebody like that who's maybe, only maybe. ever done, you know, like funny, jokey, lighthearted kind of characters, and they come back and play a Kevin Spacey kind of character. You know what? What about okay? I'll throw this out there. What about a Chris Pratt and DiCaprio? It's a lot of white people who are pretty. <laughs> well, I don't say that's just two people, but I, I was trying to think. It's funny as I, I posed this question and I was thinking I was looking for Fox because I, I have been so out of new movies in the last six to eight months. It's hard for me to try to remember back. And before then, we had the winter lull of movies to think back. Who is the the Who's hotness the new... actor or actress right now? Like. Well, I got to think back a year ago. So, maybe Tom Holland. So right? Tom I Holland want, I want, DiCaprio. okay, I want a cop, a cop drama with Idris Elba and Matt Damon. 
That's what I want. Sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. Who's still energy? Same energy, but I get it. Who's a young? <laughs> who's a young? Let's see. I thought Tom Holland's young and Tom Holland is awesome. He's right. Talk about someone who's not wait. had. Wait, Ooh, wait, yet. wait. Okay. I, I got all right. It. All right. Tom Holland and Harrison Ford. Oh, that'd be oh, so that's, good. That's so Harrison close to what Ford. I was about to say. So, Tom Holland so, and Nathan Fillion. Sure. Oh, th- well, uh, they should. I mean, okay. I hate that Mark Wahlberg <laughs> is the older mentor in the Uncharted movie. Mm, that should sure. be that should be either Nathan Fillion or Harrison Ford. It should have been Fillion. It should have been Fillion or Ford. Yeah. But see, there, that's, I guess, out of this right. long thing, we had, that's what I was aiming for. Like, a movie that would put me in the theater just by their names to watch a show. Oh. I think Tom Holland and, and Harrison Ford would do that. Oh, can you imagine if Tom Holland was taking over the Nathan Drake mantle from Harrison Ford? Yeah. Or, Gosh, or that would it, right? sell all the tickets. Yeah, for sure. And, yep, see? There you go. That, that, you, and maybe you wanna, that's You want to see Harrison Ford playing Sully? Is that... I, I would love to see Nathan Cause, Fillion cause I play, see that. play 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 solo. Okay with that. Just be, just because that that uh, yeah, thing about why not? Nathan Drake being Fillion. Yeah, yeah. You I know. Can see that's that. what I'm saying. Like Sully was basically Indiana Jones, and I my only my only uh, uh, resistance to that is that I've just played the last Uncharted game. So to me, uh, uh, Sully is this like. Um, um, Michael Caine aged character. Yeah. And I, I'm not I'm not ready to see oh, but Nathan Fillion translate into into Silver but Fox Ford kind is. of characters. But Ford is right. there. I, I think I yeah, know. Ford, Ford and is they got there. Mark Ford Wahlberg to play that role. That's oh, well, that yeah. angers well, me. You you know why? <laughs> I mean that's that's for future somebody's future looking there. They they got yeah. a really young Nathan Drake, they got a really young Sully. The idea is that in ten to fifteen years We'll we'll finally have a part where this entire time now we've got a really old Sully and a thirty five, thirty seven. I'm with Dennis Wahlberg, on that this. much younger than Nathan, than Nathan Fillion. Fillion. Yeah, get just get Fillion. Just, just yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. Fillion. I'm there with you. Now you know Wahlberg's done some. I'm not putting up to Fillion with this, but Wahlberg's done some good things. Like I remember he was in Departed. Okay, who's the better and, actor? I'm gonna call you out on this. I mean, I mean, he also did. Wahlberg. No, no, no. I mean, come Mike on. B, did did Fillion do Ted? Because Ted's pretty amazing. I'm asking you a direct question. <laughs> Who's yes, a better he's actor? He's Fillion himself. Mark Ted. Oh man. Okay, I know you're going to hit me for saying it, but I, I mean, it's Fillion. Fillion because I like his characters. Why would but you say what, I'm going to hate you? Well, no, because I don't. I'm going to hate because I don't want to say that that's the right answer. Because Fillion <laughs> has played that I can think of two characters. Two characters that I like. That's it. Like They're he played both... Castle and he and he played you know Mal. So what else? Yeah, they're both kind of um, um, uh, type type actors, right? Like they they play very similar uh, kinds of characters, not to each other, but I mean. In right. their careers, in their respective careers. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Right. I know so, Wahlberg's been Wait, around. so Dennis, what do you think? Who's the better actor, Mark Wahlberg or Nathan Fillion? <laughs> We're I all going to play know, this game. I know Don't forget which, the Daddy's Home. Wahlberg, Wahlberg did Daddy's Home. Don't forget that. Oh, I let's know, not forget that. I know which one I would rather see, and it's Nathan Fillion. <laughs> uh, well... But I, I remember, that's just because I, I like more of again to go back to mostly the same characters. Like I like his the kind of characters he plays are 
you know, the kind of characters that I want to see where um, Wahlberg is usually some kind of angry Boston character. <laughs> sure, sure. Managing I mean, a Wahlbergers. So, so mm-hmm. besides, what, what other Nathan Fillion thing besides those two should should make me really turn on him like and i and i'm going to point out here that like Wahlberg has done things like fear he was in you know max Payne, invincible he's done you're gonna name a good movie eventually right oh sorry yeah these are all pretty good italian job (laughs) what are they patriots day i mean he didn't like boogie nights but some people like boogie nights so uh and departed so i mean you're you're asking what has nathan fillion done that you should watch i mean did you see besides how about much Firefly to, how about much to do about nothing the the uh remake of that oh i never I saw that down oh, saw that one so can we can we do a special bonus front porch episode <laughs> where we just talk about that movie <laughs> And and why then why hasn't that been out? Like, I haven't heard anything about that one. Oh my God. It was made oh gosh, at least a decade ago. It is fantastic. The Much Ado About Nothing remake with everyone in the Joss Whedon universe. Oh, that sounds okay. I'm it's surprised. Great. I'm surprised that I never that I never heard about it. Not, speaking uh, of speaking of ensemble casts, I don't think you can credit Wahlberg for the departed because everybody was in that. Yeah, 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 sure. But but he was great in The Departed. I he was. Say. He, he was acting in The Departed. He wasn't acting in Ted or in Daddy's Home or any of those, right? Like, sure. Yeah, uh, he was catching paycheck for Transformers, but... I don't know. I don't know how much acting he was doing in The Departed. That's that, oh, that's that I don't classic know. I, I angry disagree. Boston character. I disagree. I mean, I, I think he was pretty great in that. You know, I, I watched him in other other shows where he's been goofy or comedy. And Anyway, sure. personal opinions. Sure, uh, sure. But yeah, I, I I do agree that Fillion was and Harrison Ford 100 percent better than Mark Wahlberg choice. Uh, he but he at least has he's better than some other terrible picks they could have had for Sully. Sure. But you know what? Sure. This this could end up being because Wahlberg's in it. It could end up being like a Transformers type thing and be terrible. I don't I don't think too many of us were on board with uh, with Tom Holland being Peter Parker, but he's great at it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He is. Or nor nor um, Captain America. I was totally anti. You know. Did you want Krasinski? Who did you want? I just did not want Chris Evans. I thought Chris Evans. <laughs> if was... you had only seen, if you had only seen Fantastic Four and not another teen movie, I'd that... been like, this guy can't be. Well, and Steve Scott Pilgrim. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. He, I mean, he's a he, small part in that, but he was actually really good in The Losers. So mm-hmm. I hope you saw that one. I never saw that. Uh, one, no. The the losers and and you know as much as it's terrible he was a fantastic Johnny Storm he was just the worst pick you could ever pick for Captain America and turned out to be the best pick in the world yeah yeah, yeah. Wow, oh man all right guys we're we're running it's long here so we got it all uh, uh, Mike we're we're shifting up the schedule you didn't ask about next week's movie but we're gonna skip mm, yeah. over Pulp Fiction as we move into October and do our our horror movie month yeah twenty twenty spooktacular i don't know where it's going with that watch an actual uh, horror movie yeah we're gonna watch american psycho uh, oh okay fox has of... got us got us riled for this one so we're gonna go into that one wait do i, I don't have to come back in this do i yeah Christian... <laughs> what <laughs> only if you want to <laughs> that's right <laughs> you, i you love can, american can... psycho i've seen american psycho more times than i should probably admit hmm. and, and if this has a spoiler you've done a good job of not spoiling it for me I so that that'll be good yeah, I've never I seen it. I have not watched that. So we'll cool. All right. All right. 
you've been listening to the front porches this episode 162 uh fox you want to uh mention your your uh where people can find you and your work online Sure, I'd be happy to. I am a I am a member of the LRM online community. They have a podcast network which you can find Geek Scholars Movie News. You can find all my tabletop game and when they come back movie reviews uh, <laughs> on that site. So uh, I want to express a huge thank you to you two gentlemen. It is always a delight to be on the front porch. I feel like I'm sitting outside feeling the fresh air and just discussing geeky things with each of you. So thank you so much for putting out this amazing podcast that I think welcomes people into the, the geekdom as well. So thank you very much for having me on and thank you for putting out this great podcast. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we appreciate it too. And you're welcome back anytime. Uh, Listeners, if you would, would like to join in the in the conversation as well you can do that via email that address is frontporchpod at gmail.com over on our website frontporchpodcast.com there are contact forms the uh tentative and always changing schedule for what remains of the 100 movies in our 2020 challenge uh if you enjoy the front porch please consider subscribing on any of the podcast platforms as always thanks so much for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael Fox for the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. 